Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boantic people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. My guest this week is Bianca Mora, a photographer and podcaster from Cleveland, Ohio, and Bianca is a mum of two boys. Throughout school, Bianca was drawn to photography at different times, but pushed it aside to study mainstream subjects. She didn't seriously consider that photography could be a career path. Bianca stumbled on the work of American documentary photographer Jim Goldberg, and particularly his series Rich and Poor. And it was through this that she discovered that photography could be more than just a pretty picture. It could be used to convey and tell stories. She went to Ringling College of Art and Design in Florida, where she did a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Photography and Digital Imaging with a minor in Business, Art and Design. After Bianca's employment abruptly ended, she took that as an opportunity to start her own business. She works as a professional photographer, capturing memories for families, and as a course facilitator, encouraging people to understand themselves more through the understanding of why they take the photos that they do. Bianca believes in not being afraid to take your phone out and take that photo at any time, and for mums to get in the photos too. Bianca has created the podcast called Help Me See, where she hosts vulnerable, real conversations, challenging the norms and empowering listeners to harness their intentional vision for a purposeful life. Her photography style can be described as intimate. She has a love for texture and imperfections in her photo editing that favours helping clients feel themselves back to the moment rather than just seeing it. Above all else, she believes that photographing your life is not a luxury. It is unequivocally essential. We are creating our nostalgia now as we take each photo. Please be aware this episode contains discussion around mental health, postnatal depression and anxiety. Today's episode you'll hear music from my trio called Alemjo. We create ambient and new age music. Myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John and you can find the links to listen to more in the show notes. If today's episode is triggering for you in any way I encourage you to seek help from those around you or from the resources online. I've compiled a list of great international resources which can be accessed via the podcast landing page, alisonnewman.net slash podcast. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for coming on, Bianca. It's really a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. 
Oh, thank you so much, Allison. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, from the second I just read the title of the podcast, when I first became aware of it, I was like, well, I mean, the most perfect thing <laughs> ever, right up my alley. Oh, that's brilliant. So whereabouts are you in America? I am about 20 minutes outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Ah, right. So where's that in relation to, I don't know, What's a big city that I know? New York. Where Where is that in, in relation? Uh, it's to about a seven-hour drive from New York. Ah, okay. So it's sort sort of in the ballpark there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, um, what's it like over there at the minute? Is you're coming into your spring, are you, or summer? Spring. What are you uh, spring now. It's definitely getting warm though. I feel like we skipped spring and, and headed straight to summer for some oh. reason. It was like blistering cold and now all of a sudden it's like super humid (laughs) yeah right so what sort of degrees like daily temps do you get there uh we've been around um from 70s to 80s in the last few days but I don't know it's pretty turbulent it it really wavers yeah right I'm just going to look up what that is in Celsius so (laughs) Fahrenheit I have this thing where I I like I, I have a, I've always been like, oh, 20, about 21. Yeah, that's nice. Um, mm-hmm. I like to know about people's weather. I don't know. It just helps me put things in context if I can yeah. visualize and feel myself in, oh, yes, I understand what your place is like now. You know, it's, <laughs> totally. it's, a, it's a thing I've always done and it's, a, it's weird, but I don't know. It's just one of those things. You're like, I just want to know when you wake up, do you put on a sweater or shorts? <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, you can, you, I feel like I can, yeah, I don't want to say I can make a judgment about a place because that's not really true. It's very superficial, but you know, you can get a feel for a place if you sort of mm-hmm. get the vibes, what's happening. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're a photographer and a podcaster. Can you share with us what you do, how you got into it? I never in a million years planned on creating a podcast at all. Um, it wasn't something that I had planned to do. Uh, basically, uh, last year, about two weeks into my maternity leave, I got laid off from my uh, full-time job and I really didn't see it coming. Like, at all you'd like to think that and I was there for about six years and you'd like to think that you would kind of get a sense for it and when I didn't I felt very um whiplashed I felt so I don't know something changed and I knew that for the tail end of my employment there it had turned into something that I didn't love and I knew I wanted to make the switch um eventually to be full-time on my own um but I didn't expect the rug to be pulled out under me so it was like Mm -hmm. a little bit of a humbling experience but also an experience of if I could work that hard and be that loyal and you know kind of put that much energy in this one life that I have into someone else's venture then I certainly can do that for myself so you know by the end of it it was like oh do would you like to reapply blah 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 and I was like you know what no I'm gonna double down on myself at the worst possible time we had just moved into my new house our first house ever second baby you know it was just (laughs) of all the times to take the plunge but you know in some ways I feel like it was the best possible time to take the plunge because if I wasn't going to do it at the most uncomfortable then what was going to make me do it, you know, mm. otherwise. So, yeah, that's it. Cause when things are really good, you, you're not, your brain's not going there, is it? It's, yeah. You're mm-hmm. happy and 
Yeah. Have you had experience in like photography and that sort of stuff, like growing up or how did you sort of get into that? Yeah. So, um, I was, I really got into it in high school. I, um, was taking all of like the advanced placement classes in like the calculus and the English and, it was just what I was doing, but I knew that the only class that I really loved was my photography class. But for some reason there wasn't, it it just didn't occur to me. It didn't dawn on me that I could pursue that. It was just like, oh, but that is just too good. That's too fun. And I didn't really take it like seriously as a career path. Um, And then I had happened upon, um, do you know who Jim Goldberg is? Mm, don't know he's a documentary photographer and I had happened upon his work and I remember it specifically because it definitely was a moment where I felt like my brain changed like it was like a you know mm-hmm. one of those electric moments where and it was particularly the series he did um on the rich and poor and it were these black and white photographs uh they were just very honest looking at the camera and then he would hand them to her, them and have them just write something about what they thought about the photo Mm -hmm. um so it was just this moment where I was like oh like photography can be more than a pretty picture like it was just it Mm -hmm. seems very trivial but it was a huge moment for me and my brain um and so after that I decided to go um uh, pursue it in college so I went to a um a private art school a Ringling College of Art and Design um in Sarasota Florida And I graduated with a BFA um, in photography and digital imaging uh, with a minor in business art and design Mm -hmm. there. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's my um, background. And I had, I mean, I had been photographing since, you know, I could get those digital or those uh, disposable cameras Um, in a very uh, compulsive way. I, I say that when I was in middle school, there was this moment of um, me laying in my bed, looking at the ceiling about to fall asleep, where I think the concept of death just dawned on me as well. And these things kind of dawn on me like a two boy four. And I just remember (laughs) thinking about, you know, just like nothing mattering. And I, I don't know, something just, panicked in me and I felt like oh I I need to make things to let people understand how I feel about them I need to make things because eventually what I think and feel might not matter like my favorite color and my favorite band Mm. like might not matter but whatever I make um can be left behind so I very much became a maker uh, from that point Mm. do you find when you watch movies that you can't just watch it. You have to like find the deeper meaning in everything. Like it's oh. just. <laughs> oh, I've just, I honestly, I have like two modes. I either, I have to watch the very, very like easy to watch, like Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, the yeah. no deep emotion, or I'm in the depths of, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think I'm, I just, this past year became familiar with the term HSP, uh, uh-huh. highly sensitive person. I really think that I'm like, like yeah. medically that yeah. <laughs> because I can't, even if I know it's not real and it didn't mm-hmm. happen, 
I carry it like an anchor on my chest for like weeks. So I, I have oh, yeah. to pick and choose my intake. Yep. No, I can relate to that. It's like that empath sort of energy where you take it in and it's like you're experiencing experiencing yourself. Like I can't listen to like true crime or anything like that because I can yeah. visualize myself and feel myself in the position of that person both people like the victim and the perpetrator like it I just can't do it it's too much yes yes yeah. I feel the same. and I drive my sister mad when we watch movies because I'm just like oh look there's the darkness and she's up there like the oh, I don't know I can yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh. that's hilarious my uh my partner, he is a computer animator. So if yep. we're ever like watching a Pixar movie or something, we'll be watching and be like, do you know how hard it is for them to do those bubbles? I'm like, shh. Oh. <laughs> so between the two of us, it's really, it's really shit. <laughs> oh man, that'd be hilarious. And it's like, you're thinking, I don't give a toss about your bubbles. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I heard about this exercise to like write a letter to someone that inspires you deeply and then to someone that drives you nuts and to, um, after you're done writing it, um, change the name to your own name and then read it again. And, um, oh gosh, I don't, I want to give credit where it's due. I believe it was on a podcast called, I like your work. Um, yeah, I believe that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that sounds so interesting. So I was in my studio and I just started writing a letter to this photographer that I love so much. And I was like bawling, like by myself. And he's like passed, like he passed young. I never mm -hmm. met him, no exposure to him. But for some reason, I feel this like deep soul connection to him mm -hmm. anyway. But <laughs> it made me want to get a tattoo for him because I, a few years ago, I purchased a book of his on eBay mm -hmm. and I could have bought it brand new. Um, uh, but I chose to buy the one that he signed, but he labeled it to bill. Um, mm -hmm. and I was like, how could bill sell this? He touched it. He touched, like, I, I was like, no, I want it. I don't care if it's effed up. Like I want to have the book that he touched in some way like that. Yeah. It, I yeah. don't know. Like, it carries something for me. So oh, I was like, yeah. what if I get like a, a, a tattoo that said, dear Larry, love bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh oh. Oh. I love that it's, oh. it, it reminds me I had a conversation the other week with a a, a lady who's a a potter um, functional potter but she also does some ceramic stuff um, and we we're talking about how when you pick up a piece of like I've got a, a not a sugar bowl what's it called a fruit bowl and when I pick it up sometimes I put my thumb in the same spot where there's an indent of the thumb of the person who made it and it's just that incredible connection, like, oh, it just spins you out. Like, I just love that. But, yeah. <laughs> that just gave me goosebumps a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah.
tell us more about your podcast, what it's called and what you do and all that sort of stuff. So the podcast is called Help Me See. And it it's funny because it's probably the least planned thing I've ever done in my life. And it continues to be that. Um, and I, I know that it has to be that for me to continue doing it. <laughs> um, so help me see is all around just having very, uh, real and honest and vulnerable conversations, you know, much like you do here, um, you know, challenging norms and also just trying to make sense and meaning out of these, like these feelings that we have that we swear we know better, but we can't help but have, and like the wavering of it and the waffling of it. And um, so I do have um, guests on the show, but I also do a lot of solo episodes that are just basically like my audio diary recordings of me just talking about the things that really rev me up. Um, And I, I would say that one of the Although um, my focus is in uh, photographic arts and um, I really have a strong passion point for kind of reimagining the way that we think about our photographs and the way we photograph our our lives, Um, I would say uh, one of the main driving forces of me uh, being so radically transparent with my own feelings is when I um, had a bout with uh, postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and uh, after my first child and I was just so taken aback and kind of mad at no one and everyone I felt like so shocked that I could feel this bad and not have had any sort of um exposure to it like Mm I and I feel like it is getting better I do feel like I maybe it's the algorithm I don't know but I feel like I'm seeing so much more just like honest sharing Mm -hmm. um but I think that I just felt so shocked that I was so shocked by how I felt and didn't yeah. see it coming at all that I was like, I will never, I will never <laughs> hide my truth, even <laughs> if it helps one person. Yeah, like I remember yeah. coming back from maternity leave and, you know, people so innocent and well, in- well-intentioned, but would be like, oh, that must have been so lovely. And I was like, no, it was really terrible. It was really terrible. And I could see them be uncomfortable, but I had to, I had to just be honest because, you know, that's how I know, that's how I got there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that person innocently having that exchange with me, if I were to have, you know, glazed by it, perhaps they might be more apt to experience that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I love that. Yeah. Because I think like I have had my own experience with um, postnatal depression as well. And it's really important I believe for what you're doing and what I, I attempt to do as well to normalize these emotions, that it's not bad. You're not a bad mother for feeling this way. It's society has got this, this set of ex- expectations of how you're supposed to feel. And I just want to smash them up and say that we can feel however we want to feel, however we need to feel. And the more we talk about it, the better that we're all going to be because I think that's the thing the woman that said that to you I might not have been a woman sorry um, um that's how she's been exposed to it and probably the same thing has had people who maybe didn't have the courage that you did to to say actually no that's this is not how it is this is how is you know this is reality you know if everybody goes around pretending that it's fine then you know, it'll continue to be the way it is or has been. So yeah, good on you. <laughs> I mean, and that yeah. it, it, those are the more acute, like, um, 
I'd say heightened important uh, areas, but it, it is rampant. It's like when someone just says, Oh, how are you? If you ever say anything other than fine or, Oh, great. Then it's like, okay, that's too much. Mm -hmm. I just ask because it's a social norm. You're supposed to say you, the script, the script, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't deviate from the script. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Isn't it? Like the, Oh, there's a lady I've just started following on Instagram. Um, who, I mean, there's a lot of women that are doing it now, which is great. You're basically telling it like it is, you know, I'm not a bad mother because I, I got frustrated at my children today because they wouldn't listen to me, you know, just, just calling it out and saying, this is fine. This is life. And we're allowed to feel crap. You know, the, the thing that I found really challenging when I was starting to tell people about my postnatal depression is that I, no one said it to me, but I had this idea in my head that I should feel grateful that I was able to have children. So I, I shouldn't feel this way, you know, and I'm, I don't know it's like you cannot control the chemicals in your brain you cannot control that you know I've had I actually had someone tell me once that depression wasn't real and I thought (laughs) you've never experienced it you've got no idea this woman that I met that that was reckoned through daily affirmations um you could keep yourself well and I said to her sure that might be able to help with a low mood you know a bit of exercise, never hurt anyone, you know, getting outside and talking yourself up a bit, that's great for low mood. But if you you, you actually physically in your brain, the chemicals are not doing what they're supposed to do, then you're going to experience an altered sense of reality. And that's mm-hmm. the truth of it. You know, I felt like slapping this woman when she told me that. Oh I, I don't speak to her anymore because it's like, how dare you? Anyway. I know. It's, uh, it's scary. It's scary that those those sentences can come out of you know Mm. because you know thank goodness that you have the understanding that you do because I mean the last thing someone needs is to feel even more isolated and Mm. yeah I I definitely relate to what you were saying about oh I should all the things you should feel it's the least amount of helpful when I was going through it I'm like oh I'm not in the NICU I was going through all the reasons why it didn't make sense Mm-hmm. And I, you know, should be grateful. That's something that I was talking about recently is, you know, this, this not only toxic positivity, because I feel like that's, that's a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, I feel like the more um, nuanced version is weaponizing gratitude with mm-hmm. yourself. Oh, I should be grateful. I'm mm-hmm. grateful. Why am I feeling if I was more grateful, I wouldn't feel like this. And it's just the least amount of helpful thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to mention a quote that I found um, through your Instagram, which was amazing. And I want to hear more about it. So you said the photograph is not just a souvenir to help you remember. Can you share more about that um, and the sort of the deeper meaning behind that? It's so strange to hear me quoted. Uh, (laughs) I was like, what what did I say? I can see your face. You're like, what is she going to (laughs) say? like I'm in trouble Uh, yeah the photograph is not a souvenir just to help you remember I I I truly feel that um photographs although that is a huge benefit of them 
um, it's not just something to help you remember. I think that it's something that can be used to help you engage more in your life. Um, it's an active viewing and experiencing of your life. And I also, <clears throat> this notion of, you know, a moment frozen in time, although it is very much um, an image that stays the same, the meaning transforms and transcends like time and space. And, you know, that's staying the same, but we are continuing to grow. Our lives are changing, mm -hmm. circumstance, everything. So you can take a photo of something and feel a certain way about it. And two weeks later, a month later, 10 years later, feel completely different about it. Yeah. At first, a photograph is semi-meaningless. And then all of a sudden it becomes the most important thing because it's the last of whatever, you know, mm. it's just this, these magical little blips. I call them breadcrumbs for your life. Um, because not only is it something that uh, I believe to be like a, a form of acknowledging and, um, you know, being more present in the moment. Um, but it's also this gift that you give yourself later in life to seek comfort, understanding, healing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just so much. There's just, it's just the whole world. I mean, I could dive into every nook and cranny and it, it's incredible to me because it's, you know, and I think that it's in today's day and age, it's almost being looked at as something that's like a gluttonous act, right? Like mm -hmm. whenever you feel like the impulse to take a photo, it's almost like a shameful thing. Like, why can't I just be present? And that is like yes. my soapbox. Yeah, it is my soapbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this, this thing that, oh, you've always got your phone in the, in your hand. Cause you're always thinking about a photo. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to yeah hearing that. <laughs> feeling yeah <laughs> but I mean it's that you are your own internal compass and I think that we are super sophisticated and we know if it's coming to enough to distinguish where that's coming from mm. you know if you are feeling the pressure to take a photo because of an expectation or because you want to post it or mm -hmm. and you also know if it's a very organic spark that you just it comes out of you and it's before you even realize that your phone is out. And it's because you have this deep inner knowing that this is a moment for you. Like mm -hmm. we see a bajillion things a day, like 360 degrees. Like if we're blessed with eyesight, we see so much in a day. Mm -hmm. And when you have that spark of like, Oh, I want a photo of this. It is like recognizing so many more levels into a moment than we, I think we're aware of in that moment. It's like, we're wise beyond our years. And, yeah. you know, if we just take the photo, um, even if it's a super snapshot, casual, not cute, whatever, I believe that those are breadcrumbs for later, later for a reason. Mm. I was thinking about this um, leading up to talking to you. I have um, I have a, a thing where I have to take photos of flowers or what I see as intensely beautiful things. And I was thinking about it as, you know, as I would, because I think about everything. Is that just because I like beautiful things or is it, is there something deeper in there? 
like that they make me feel good or you know what I mean like it's not a frivolous thing like I was talking to one of the ladies on the mother wild episode Tasha was saying like I have I collect a lot of artwork of I'm not going to show you because it's an absolute mess but I have a corner in my room where I put the proper artwork that real artists did (laughs) that I put in frames and I just I love having them they're just so beautiful and I love them and she was saying how society can view beauty as a frivolous thing you know what's your, your your take on that I believe that and also Tasha is like a genius I, thinking, like, I was like I don't even understand the magic coming out of your mouth right now yeah. um I believe that we are responding to things that we don't know until we know mm-hmm. I think that it's with the flowers perhaps one day you'll be like oh that's why I, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Like I have these moments where I feel like I've had this incredible breakthrough. And then all of a sudden I look back and I'm like, I've been doing the same shit for 20 years. And I'm like, it's just a different way. It's just yeah. a different yeah. way. And so far as to like, I think that uh, what we're recognizing and that's the same way I feel about taking pictures like of your daily life, like whether it be a flower or whether it be a moment of your kids or whatever, not knowing what exactly you're responding to until you look back at it from your bird's eye view and find that common thread and understand what it is you're responding to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know why this is making me think it's kind of, it's similar, but not exactly the same. I think about that photographer that I was telling you about my favorite photographer Ever, I had this moment of like, <laughs> there's this other photographer that I usually am not like the biggest fan of his work. It's beautiful, but I found this one book of his and I was like, oh my goodness, like I must have this. And I didn't understand why. Cause I'm like, yeah. this, he's not usually my fit, my, you know, exactly for me, but this feels like, oh, and I open it and I could cry just talking about it. It freaked me out so much. I had no idea apparently my that photographer that's my favorite Larry he mentored him and he specifically was the thank you for that book I was was sobbing I was like are you kidding like you can't make that up and it's just just what is for us is for us is for Mm -hmm. us and the more we're able to like recognize it I feel like the more we pull it in which is why one of uh in my deep dive of a course I made, I lay, and it's all about this and our photographic tendencies, but it's called, and some people, I don't know if I should change the title because I, I feel like some people get confused by it, but it feels so true to what it does. I called it manifest your memories because mm-hmm. I, I desire to help you just feel more confident in your ability to recognize your right moments, not better photos, not whatever, but the photos that are meant for you. Because once you know what your right moments are, you see more of them and you create more of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When you're aware and you, mm-hmm. you, you've got that in your mind, you're very conscious of it. And yeah. 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 So you mentioned your course there. Can you share more about what you do in your, cre- your course creation and your education for people? Yeah, yeah. It's 
I mean, it's all about an uncovering of, of you. It, it really is. I know it's sometimes it takes me a bit to explain because I think that because I'm a photographer, um, uh, I think it's more expected that I'm helping you take better pictures, but really it's helping you kind of understand what you're responding to and what that process can gift to you because mm-hmm. it really can be depending on, you know, the emotional state you're in, you can take a snapshot because you just want to quickly get it and just be in the moment, or it could really be like an experience. I think that we underestimate the amount of decisions we make, especially people that don't quote unquote identify as creative, which is, come on, oh, I got yeah. to pick with that. Everyone's yeah. creative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, agree with that. Yeah. It's just like all from the framing to the, uh, you know, how far you're in or out, even if it's like an amateur, whatever, it's all very important. And um, just kind of helping us reimagine and like gain a new respect and understanding for your unique vision um, of your life. Yeah. That's the thing. I think you don't want to diminish just because the, the photo might not be aesthetically perfect or pleasing or whatever that does not diminish the fact that whoever took that photo was taking it for a reason that's relevant to them um which yeah and I guess that's art too it's like everything's subjective you know the person that painted something was doing it for their benefit they weren't doing it to make it beautiful for you to put on your wall like you know everyone's got that meaning inside of them that comes out in their creativity yeah oh I mean I was just talking to someone who like just burst out crying because she was flipping through her phone and she had been somewhere and she just saw, uh, I could cry. She saw a picture that her son had took of her that she didn't know he took. And it's just the thought of it's enough to bring me to tears, you know, like it's just, everything has like boundless, um, opportunities for like meaning and to touch you. And, you know, when I think about our, you know, the quality of like professional photos or whatever, I think about just the complete catalyst for my whole business, which was like the passing of my beloved um, dog. I, I say that his passing was like this completely unplanned, unintentioned, like confirmation of my whole concept of like the work that I'm doing and everything that has come since then because it was my first real death it, mm-hmm. like close to me lucky enough it was my and it just happened last year and it was uh, when I went back to look through the archives of my photos of him they it was the weirdest thing because it, they functioned the way I thought they would for mm-hmm. me it was yeah. like yes, this is what I unconscious, like this fear I carried with me for so long of losing anyone and him. Um, I was interacting with it the way I wanted to, but something that I wasn't shocked by, but I was, I was impressed by how intense this was, was my comfort and desperateness for the photos that were the worst quote unquote like Mm -hmm. the blurry cell phone photos where I just happened to catch like a really funny look on his face with his jowls or like you know us laying in bed it was so dark you can barely see but I remember I just really wanted to capture like how he was like nestled in me Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't the gorgeous regal ones like I'm so happy I have them I love them but Mm -hmm. the ones that I was yearning for 
were not the most beautiful ones, you know, that's, I'm, and I'm so passionate in sharing that because I would never want someone to not take the beautiful responsibility of taking the most important pictures of their lives because they're too busy, you know, waiting for a professional to do it for them because a professional could never take the most important pictures of your life. It's only you. Yeah. And that's the thing like, uh, and I, I have had professional photographers on the show before, so I'm not saying this to diminish their worth by any means, but I feel like it's something that people, they put off until the time's right. Like, oh, we'll wait to get the professional shots till we've finished having our family or um, I want to lose a bit of weight first before I do it. So you're putting off capturing the moments that are happening. Actually, your life is happening until you get to a point where you feel like things are, I'm putting that in inverted quotes, air quotes again, are right or perfect, which is the horrible word, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like taking the photos every single day or, you know, every time the moment calls to you while life is happening. And you can then you can get your photos that you want to have, the beautiful photos on the wall, which look amazing. You walk into people's houses. I don't have them because, I don't know, I just don't like seeing my big head everywhere. Um, but, you know, and, and and what's important to to other people, you know, we're all different of, of what, you know, yeah. we want. Um, but yeah, like not letting life slip by and not letting life happen to you, but you're actually experiencing your life as it's happening to you. Yes. (laughs) And I mean, I, that, what you're saying makes me think about how, I mean, it's no secret that the most important moments of our lives are the tiniest, like it's the Mm -hmm. mundane quiet ones. And, you know, the, the times that we usually think about hiring and investing in, you know, photography tends to be the events and, and, you know, for, for good reason too, it's an investment and it's a production and it is a thing, but I mean, I, I think about how funny it is that I'm the photographer of the family and oftentimes on the holidays, it's the last time I'm pulling out my camera, like, unless it's like a camcorder or something, because Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, there's already enough going on that day. I don't, I don't need more on the plate. Like I don't, I know for me, those are not the moments that are the most important moments. So unless something chirps up inside of me and I do take the photo, but it's kind of like inverted, like those, like those milestone moments are, are very sweet and they're important not to diminish them. Like the celebration is always important, but mm-hmm. I mean, not to be cliche, but it is, it's like, your life is like everything. And then the beep graduation, uh, beep a wedding. It's like, yeah, those are not exactly. the moments that are like the meat of your life. Yeah. It just, as we're talking about that, it reminds me of, um, I had a guest on the podcast, uh, Monica Crowley. I had her on the podcast. She's an Irish um, visual artist and she's really, really um, passionate about recording the moments. She's a predominantly an oil um, artist, works with oils. And one of her works is of the items in the sink. So she did this series of um, things that were in her sink because she was spending a lot of time at the sink. So it was like recording just these mundane everyday ordinary moments um yeah because as mums we we do a lot of repetitive tasks <laughs> there's a lot of things we do a lot every day yeah. um yeah and what how what do you feel about this mums making sure they're in photos is that something that you're keen about as well yes 
Um, I, I actually have a, I have a, I'll, I'll have to send you the link. It's just a free challenge. I'm so passionate about it. I made this like inbox challenge. Oh, it's brilliant. You sign up and you can just get through. It's over three days and three prompts. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm saying very simple things, but the point is my biggest point is in this topic is to not make permanent um, decisions off of temporary feelings um, because listen, I'm not immune to this. Like we all know when we feel like we're having a good day or not having a good day or with this or that, but not taking that moment to get in the photo um, regularly is making a very strong decision for yourself later. And not only yourself, but your kids too, Mm, you know, not, you know, not being in that frame. And also, I mean, I think about my whole life up until like last year, I hated my profile. I just hated the bump on my nose, hated it. Mm. And then all of a sudden I looked at this photo last year with me and my two boys and I, it was a straight profile picture. And I was like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> what? I was shocked. I was like, not only do I not care, but I actually quite like that picture. And mm. it's like, imagine if I would have been ducking from the camera, you know, or very conscious of it, you know, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we can get caught up in like all of the posting and the social media, but we have to remember that, you know, I'm not saying that to make yourself uncomfortable when it's not something that feels good to you, but at the same time, take comfort in not all of these photos are for anyone else to see. Like your photographs are, you know, it's like your visual diary of your life, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and I think that we can underestimate our, um, the healing we get from that as well. I think about what my photos of me from postpartum, of course, I took the pictures of, you know, I made myself up and blah, blah, blah with the babies, but Mm -hmm. those pictures make me feel uncomfortable to look at because I, I see myself smiling and I know, like yeah. I know what it felt like and it makes me uncomfortable to see those. And then I see the pictures that I took in my lowest hours. Cause I do have that weird thing where I'll take a selfie when I'm not well. Yeah. And I find such compassion for myself that I don't know that I would have thought to even have for myself had I not seen the pain of like a previous yeah. version of myself. It's kind of like you're looking at a picture of yourself as a little girl. Mm. Like you just have this compassion that you don't have for yourself as as naturally now, which is something that, you know, I feel like also needs to be worked through and I'm working through. But yeah. you know, yeah. these photographs are openings for us. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um so one of your um I don't know whether to just call it a program or a course. Sorry. It's called Nostalgia Now. Can membership. You, membership. Can you share share with us what that is about? Oh my gosh. So that is my newest creation. And I, I say that it I knew that I was onto something when I had when it came to me and I I did a like a, a mock run of it by myself. And I was so excited that I was like panicked. I was like, why haven't I been doing this for myself in my life for longer? <laughs> yes. Um so in full transparency, as, as usual with me, um, so my course, I was finding, I'm like, this is, it's just hard to explain succinctly, right? Like, I don't think that it's, people understand it as quickly. And I, I, I think that it's, um, it can be confusing if you're not already like a part of this world. And I was like, what is a way to like, 
implement the 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 theory and the function of like what I'm getting at here that's mm-hmm. in a way that's like doable, simple, sustainable, and like realistic for like busy, overwhelmed moms. And this is what I thought of. I um it's a once a month meeting and uh I also have like a a portal of like uh, different resources because we have uh, an intention for each month mm-hmm. and I'll add like curated uh, meditations in it. And um, I'll upload uh, the video versions of my podcast as a way to like keep momentum through the month. Um, but at the, in this meeting, it's two hours and the first hour is like co-working. So I send out these templates that are just artfully done. And there's like only space for three or four photos and I put like a uh, vague prompts in it, like something that made you feel expansive or something that you want to take with you for the rest of your life or something, whatever. And you're only allowed to look at all of the photos up on your scroll from the last month. And mm-hmm. so you put on your music mm-hmm. we, for an hour, you're, we're muted on zoom and you're just looking at the photos that took place over the last month of your life. And you can only pick for which is a weird hard but also fascinating thing it's just this crazy way to get intentional and also see the scope of what happens in a whole month I'm shocked at what happens in a whole month um and to kind of like witness yourself from like a bird's eye view because you know that you're the taker of these photos and to like look back and see notice what you noticed Mm -hmm. and then create this thing so you have like this visual of the, that month of your life. And then we go around and it's like adult show and tell. And we just talk about it, why we chose each photo mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like what that month and that intention felt like for us. And I really feel like it's such a beautiful way to um, check in with yourself and make space mm-hmm. for yourself in a, in a cadence that is realistic, but also so helpful because Mm -hmm. how often do we look back and we're like, it's been six months into the new year. What the fuck am I doing? Like I said, I'm going to do this and I haven't and whatever. So it's a way to like, keep you account, a gentle way to like, keep you accountable and like connected to yourself and to your, you know, Mm -hmm. wrapping up a month and saying, okay, this is the way this month played out. And like, this is what I'm hoping for this month you know and to keep you sort of anchored to the moment so like I know I'm the same like it's June this is insane like what has happened (laughs) Um, but yeah and to actually take stock each month and remember and go ah that's right and and I think that's important that that why we took that photo and why we chose to include you know include it in the prompts in, in those four photos like it gives you that time to reflect on yourself and maybe how you were feeling or things that you might like you said things you want to do that you're putting off or you know it's it it, like I I don't want this to sound rude at all but it sounds so simple but it's so big and meaningful you know like it's just I don't know it's really powerful isn't it and as mums like we're so we are so busy and we're always doing things for other people and to be able to carve out time for ourselves can often feel like you know a luxury or a guilt thing, you know, but to actually stop and take stock of ourselves, you know, instead of always saying to other people, how are you? How can I help you? You know, what does this person need? What do my children need? You know, looking at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that can be challenging. I think for, for many people it would be hard to say, oh, hang on a minute. I'm the least person that matters here, you know, that we're putting everybody else first all the time. So it, it would open up so many things for, for everybody. 
Oh, it's incredible. And it's, you know, right now it's a very intimate group. And I, I will, I'm first to admit, I am a self-proclaimed hermit introvert. Like the community part of any, up until a year ago, the community part of anything, I was like, okay, I mean, I'm a lone wolf. I'm the person that if I was in a group in high school working on a project, I'm like, I'll see you later. I'll put your name on it. It's fine. (laughs) You know, like, like, not at all, but the value of connecting with like, like feeling souls, not even like minded or like, Mm. it's just people that you just see each other. I mean, every time we like, there's almost tears, you know, and it's just so, um, to be witnessed, to be able to like speak your truth and also be witnessed by people that you just know, get it. It's, I don't know that there are words for it really. Like, I feel like Mm. often people can kind of shrug it off. And I, I know that I was one of those people before experiencing it for myself, but, um, you know, I, I think that that element of it, not only does it keep us accountable to actually do it, um, but it makes it so much more fruitful and it, and gives it so much more space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Good on you. I, I think that's a wonderful thing. And I'll put all the links, if anyone's interested in checking this out, I'll put all the links in the show notes. And that is awesome. Listening to the art of being a mum with my mum Alison Newman. Now, let's talk about your children. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh dear. So you've got two children? Boys. Two boys. Two boys. Oh, good, oh boy. Good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing you. <laughs> I have um an almost four-year-old um Cassius, and then Silas is like 16 months. Oh nice little Um, boys yeah yeah. and they are so different so different my first one it's funny I I am like I really do wonder if like their births had something to do with how they are now Mm -hmm. because my first one was is a very sensitive deep feeling intense little boy and like my labor was really hard it was like a very I got postpartum the whole thing and then my second son, I was like bopping on a ball at Post Malone and he is just a savage. He is like, nothing upsets him. Everything's a joke to him. Like it's yes. so different. Oh, you know what? There might be something in that because my first labor was very, very quick and intense and incredibly, in, horribly insane. And my son's the same. He's a real, he's real empath. Everything's really deep and he takes things in so sensitive. And the other yeah. one. Oh, water off a duck's back, you know, just <laughs> yeah. completely different. Yeah. How old are yours? Um, so the older one, he's 14, and my little oh. one is about to turn seven. So. Oh, my gosh. so it stayed true. It stayed true to them as they grew. Oh, yeah. Their personality. Absolutely. Oh They're just like chalk and cheese. Unbelievable <laughs> kids. Yeah. It's hilarious. Isn't it? I often wonder how that happens when you've got the, you know, in our case, you know, the same, the same parents. How yeah. are they 
Ah, oh, it's insane. How do you find then their coming into your world, you becoming a mum? How has that affected the way you see things in your photography? Hmm. I feel that they've definitely, it's like a, I don't know, it's making me think about like a magnifying glass, like on concrete with the sun. Like it feels like a very acute, like heightened everything. Mm -hmm. But I, I definitely really didn't know. I didn't understand what my transformation would be like in becoming a mother. Mm -hmm. I think I had this underlying belief that once I had children, my cup would runneth over from them. And I would, the emphasis, like, cause I, you know, I'm a naturally anxious person. I get very um, overwhelmed, but I felt like once I have kids, like that will be my world. I will focus on that. And that will be so fulfilling and X, Y, Z. And this is how I'm going to be. Mm. That's not at all how I was like, yeah. it's just crazy to me. And it, you know, it sounds so naive, but I really did think that like, I had a friend who had a baby who, you know, she was very much on the fence and didn't know if she ever wanted one. And then when she did, she was just on genuinely on cloud nine blissed out. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, if she was blissed out, I'm going to be like, great. Cause I've been wanting a baby for so long. Yeah. And it's just not at all how, um, how I felt and how I've kind of processed the, the change, but you know, they are, they're like a boot camp for me. I mean, I am like a, they're a mirror for me in that they intensify all of the best and worst in me. And I am so aware of when I'm at my worst in terms of what I'm feeling and what I don't want to project because I don't want Mm -hmm. to pass on the traits that I've inherited um, to my children. So they're, um, they keep me honest in not that I'm always, you know, I always pass the test in, you know, not doing my natural reactions. I, I have like a very overprotective worry, wart Italian, New York father. And I just grew up with like the most worry, fear consumed everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm, very much trying not to pass that on. And I, I know that they can sense even when I'm not saying, and I know that they can sense that energy from me. So it, they're really helping me to become more aware and work through that. Mm. Yeah. I can relate to that. That's yeah. I love that. It's interesting. I actually saw this quote this just this morning when I was scrolling, I really want to find it now, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to, it was about the gist of it was how, Basically, the gist of it was we're very different parents to how our parents were deliberately. We're trying to do things differently. We're trying to, and I'm not saying our parents did a bad job. That was the, the world that they lived in is a different world that we're parenting in. Yeah. Um, what was, you know, I want to say acceptable, the norms of what you did and how you interacted with your children. So we're conscious of that. And we want to, I mean, I guess we don't, we don't want to put our kids through things that we went through, or, you know, being kind to our parents that are listening. Um, and they probably say the same thing about their parents, you know, each generation yeah. learns as we go. I, I yeah. mean, it's just so, it's, it's overwhelming because it's like, 
it's everywhere. Like it's in the most innocent of places and the most normal of tongues. Like I think about something that'll fly out of my mouth and, or I'll hear someone else say, and I'm like, hold the phone. That is so effed up. Like, so, mm-hmm. oh, you know, if my kids, no tears, be a big boy, yeah. no tears. I'm like, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. But it's like, so in, it's so quote unquote innocent, but mm-hmm. it, it is until it's not like, it's like, thank goodness we're having these like awakenings to it. But it's like, kind of, you know, it, if you sleepwalk through it and if you just let it happen because that's what has been done before. We all know how that goes, you know? Mm. So it, you know, all we can do is the best we can do, but it could drive you crazy. So I think that giving grace and being grateful for the awareness, because that is the most beautiful thing. And that, you know, I mean, it just does tie back to the way I think about photography. Mm -hmm. I, the awareness and the impulse and the thought to take a photo, just the recognition of like, Hey, that doesn't feel right saying that to my kid or, um, that is so much more powerful than any action you take in that moment. Like you could fuck it up. You could say, you could have said that. And like, then they went to school and you didn't have a moment to make it right in that moment. Or, you know, uh, you know, you thought to take the photo and then you did, but it didn't feel right. You wish you didn't, whatever it's, Mm -hmm. it's the, awareness it's the seeing it that is the biggest breakthrough of all because that unlocks everything that comes after and it builds from there so I think releasing ourselves of like doing it wrong or like should have would have could is or regrets and just feeling gratitude for like hey I saw that like I'm aware of that yeah that that is a big point that's a really good point isn't it It's, it's, it's really relating to like this conversation that I'm having right now, presently, actually, ironically, um, about how like presence and how this term feels like this elusive, like you can't ever grasp it. Like I, I, I always, I'm hearing often that like a lot of people, I feel the same. I've said it too. It's hard to be present in my life. Um, And what really got me thinking about this in a more um, like problem solving type of way is that when I would tell people that I truly believe that you don't have to choose between being present and taking the photo, I would see their shoulders drop like, oh, Oh, uh, as if I was anyone to tell them, give them permission how to be in their life the way they want to be. And it just made me think about how we are putting presence on this pedestal and like thinking that like, it has to be this, you know, this like come to whatever moment when really we need to just recognize our own unique ways of being present Mm. because it's not just one way. It's not just, you know, we are when we are, we are, and it looks in different ways. Like sometimes I think about presence, even when you look it up, the definition is like, to not have your mind stray from the current situation. I'm like, I don't, I don't even agree with that. It's like, sometimes Mm -hmm. presence is like, okay, like I'm looking 
at the pores on my kid's face and like really like studying him and I'm present. And sometimes I'm present and I feel like I can see through like different lifetimes. I'm like looking at a, mo- at a moment mm. and I like zoom up and I can see like so much more. And of course my brain is going somewhere else, but like, yeah. I really feel like there's both versions of presence in my life. Like I don't. Yeah, that's it. I, I can agree with that too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I can't even explain it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. to a subject that I really I love talking about and I always say it sounds terrible when I say I love talking about guilt but I just find it so fascinating and I think that idea with you you mentioned about this presence being this attainable thing everyone's got a big present because everyone's telling us we've got to be present and if we're not present we all feel bad about it this whole guilt laden thing talk to me about your your thoughts about guilt and like mum guilt I put that in air quotes as well It's like, um, it's like a, a magician that like keeps pulling like the flags out of his, our scarves out of his thing. It just, you keep peeling exactly. off the layers yeah. just when you think you're clear of it. Um, I think that guilt, mom guilt is a very specific type of guilt. And I also feel that artist mom guilt is an even Mm-hmm. more cute version of it yep. because being that intensely aware of the impermanence of something and being able to see the depths of the beauty in so many moments of your life mm-hmm. can make you feel so beholden to meet that moment there mm. and sometimes you're just not there sometimes you just the other night my two little boys are in the tub together the most adorable thing you've ever seen I just wanted to go on the bed and be scroll on my phone I just wasn't I I I, how many times are they going to be in the bath it's like you go through the Rolodex like I know I know a b c d and e I know why I should be there but I'm not right now being present for me and to my needs is to go lay down on on the bed and not handcuff myself to this moment Mm -hmm. to like keep my energy where I want it to be to feel like I can actually appreciate um, them when I'm in that space that I want. Mm -hmm. I think about when I first drove the coast to California for the first time ever, I'd never been to the West coast and I drove from LA to San Francisco. At first I was like, hi, I was not literally, but like, I was felt it. I was like, oh, I never seen such beauty in my life. I was like vibrating by halfway up. I was like literally nauseous. And I don't think it was car sick. I was like, I can't, it's too much. Like I feel 
Like I need to, and I closed my eyes. I was like, I can't see anymore. I can't, I can't take in anymore. Like I'm, you know, and that's kind of what I feel like about, about guilt and about, um, it's this, it's the knowing it's that wise, like, I get it. I know all of the reasons why I, this is amazing, but I'm just not, I'm not there. And Mm -hmm. I think the more that you can feel confident about choosing yourself in those moments makes you even more richly there for the times where you choose that moment you know oh that is brilliantly put honestly I need to put a put a hand clap that was amazing oh, thank you, you have literally summed up how I feel about mum guilt oh don't make me cry like honestly <laughs> you- <laughs> You, I'm going to take this moment and frame it. Like that is just so good. You will hear this quote again. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's so yeah. hard to like, to know. It's like, you know, because you sit there and you, it can be so hard on yourself and you're like, I know better. I see mm-hmm. this is incredibly, how could I not want to be there? But you just, you're, there's, there's only so much going yes, on and that's it isn't it and that that whole thing of that if we can't you know we have we can't be this martyr we can't be this completely selfless person that puts our needs above everybody else's um because we won't survive um and it's not sustainable and it's not I don't think it's a good thing to be showing our children either that you know the mother yeah. is the sacrificial lamb and yes Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah how would you want so your child to put themselves like to prioritize themselves and in their life um you know it's funny mm-hmm. I this quote I went to an artist talk um in when I was living in San Francisco and it was it stuck with me it's one of those things that stuck with me there's a couple of those and you could you know sometimes something sticks with you and you're like I don't know that this is going to be good to be sitting in me but it's <laughs> I've had a couple of those moments but this one that in particular I'm thinking of I'm thinking of it's Francis Ford Coppola and so it was a Q&A part of the lecture and um, someone raised their hand and said what what advice would you give a young artist director in their career and he sat there for a moment and he said, and it was the most honest thing you could have said. You can't even get mad at him. He was like, I'd say if you're uh, a male um, that's starting your career, uh, get married, have children. If you're a woman, don't get married, don't have children. Like that was his career advice. He's right. He was right for, for what he was saying for that time. I get it because I feel that I'm in a very... Um, balanced relationship and it's still not balanced it's still there is not apples to apples if we had the same night planned and he was out my my partner was out and then I was out we took turns I'm not exaggerating the night would be three times harder for me they're different children with me they feel they're so much more turbulent absolutely it's just the way it is and then like the natural and he and my partner he is so accommodating and helpful when I need it but the the set point the the Mm. it's just the weight sways this way 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, there has to be work done to help balance that. And we have to be extra vocal. In, in my experience, I have to be extra vocal um, to, to speak for my needs. And that requires excavating. And that requires, you know, realizing inequities where we don't even realize it's happening, but it is. Mm. <laughs> you know? They're just so deeply ingrained that, that we don't even identify them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's funny that um, I feel like my children, like I had a perfect example last night where my little fella, my son, my husband had put him to bed and he was out two minutes later. He came down to me and wanted to chat. And I, and I said, I said, hang on a sec, aren't you supposed to be in bed? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I said, I, and I, I just hate using these words, but I do. I said, I'll tell dad. And he goes, and he races back to bed. And my my eldest son was there. And I said, why? Why does that happen? And he goes, he goes, yeah, I remember when when I was little, dad wasn't even home, but you pretended he was home and called out to him. And that made me get back in my bed, you know. But like my husband is not, um, you know, a big domineering man. He's not like physically like he, you know, he doesn't, there's no reason for my children to fear him. It's just this whole thing, oh, wait till your dad gets home, you know, like this, this culturiness that, you know, dad's serious. Oh, mum, you know, she might let me stay up a bit longer because she's a softie. You know, it's just this, <laughs> ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, it takes me uh, an hour to get my son in bed. If I, he like puts a, I say it's like his um, physical alarm system on me. He'll swing his leg over mine. So I try to like 007, get out of the bed and I can't. So I'm like. <laughs> half the time I fall asleep putting him to bed because he yeah. takes prisoner um and but he and my partner will put him take him up he sings two lullabies to him and he's out and that's it I'm like ha ah. yeah. <laughs> you know? and it's like it's beautiful and but that's the thing too like with the guilt it's like sometimes I love it I always used to think before I had kids I'm like how precious is it that they only want mommy oh. <laughs> now I'm like <laughs> you know and sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it and that's fine that's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah uh, that that was like when um when the boys were little they they often they say dad dad first like that's easier for a child to yeah. pronounce I'm like oh when's he gonna say mom when's he gonna say mom? it's like he says mom and then he never stops saying it <laughs> like damn it they taught that kid how to say mom yeah. that's what we feel about my uh my youngest walking everyone's like is he walking yet and we're like we don't want him walk. Oh, no. like listen he'll be walking the rest of his life once exactly. he starts walking it's a new world for us like oh. we joke about like kicking his knees out from under him yes. like, no. keep crawling baby keep crawling <laughs> oh dear Yeah, look, I, lo- I love the way that this conversation has become, I know we've been quite lighthearted, but th- it's it's true. Like there is nothing wrong with saying, I need a break in this situation, whatever the situation is. 
and not feeling guilty about, oh, I should be doing this. I should be there. You know, this shoulds that, you know, we put on ourselves because of the external you know, sort of pressures that we feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I keep, I, I, I have it, this thing with social media, you know, it's great. And I utilize it a lot for, you know, my needs um, for my, for my podcast and my singing and stuff. But I think it's got the way that people use it. It's got quite bad at making us feel like crap. It's got quite good at making us feel like crap, I should say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these, I know things are getting better. And like you said before, it might be the algorithm. I'm seeing a lot of good things. Yeah. Um, but I still feel like there's this, we're just, we don't want to tell it like it is. We want to keep this facade up that everything's fine and everything's good. And this maybe our parents' way of like, you don't speak about who you voted for and you don't talk about religion, you know, that sort of, that way of doing things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, something that I heard recently brought up and I'm like, oh boy, yeah, it's true, is it's like a, a wave of um, uh, curated authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the, I love that word. Quote unquote, real. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, this is, this is Instagram real. Instagram real and then you don't get to see the real real. (laughs) room yeah it's like taking it like one step down from the (laughs) highly manicured um yeah I mean and you know I get I get torn with thinking about it and talking about it because like I I feel that just because I decide that I want to be a a stand and a like take a stand with transparency and realness doesn't mean that someone else should have to do that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, people have very different levels of like comfortability and privacy. And I totally respect that. Um, And, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't even quite I don't even quite know like what, what I want from it, because when I think about how it harmed me uh, uh, with the postpartum, you know, anyone that I could get frustrated with, like, I would know that they also struggled, but they struggled internally, which is, makes me sad too, you know? Mm, So it's not even that like, oh, you only post the highlight reel and I know you struggle. It's like, what can we do to like, just bring these conversations up? Like what you said about how we don't talk about that because it's like, oh, it's tacky or it's this Mm -hmm. or it's that. It's like, what, you know, what, what is the hiding? Like, what is who, by whose standards? Like, I think it's so funny whenever my friend's like planning something and she's like, well, what's the etiquette? I'm like, whatever the fuck you think is right like what's the etiquette like oh I don't but we're gonna go look up whatever some woman said 200 years ago you know that it's like the right way to be a lady you know it's just like so funny that these things I think it's just if if nothing else this constant questioning it's like let's keep 
asking questions. Like, mm-hmm. why are we doing the things that we're doing? Why are we, you know, wanting to, you know, match our, coordinate our clothes for this, the photos? Like, is it mm-hmm. a passion point that you love? Great. Is it something that you feel beholden to and everyone else is doing it that way? Probably not the best reason to do it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like yeah. it's something that's right for you or right for someone else is wrong. And I think as long as we just keep, asking questions and keep having conversations like this and, um, you know, these platforms that were used to just say, Hey, it's been like this for this amount of time, but why, like, Mm -hmm. why, why are we doing it this way? Um, I think that that is the most helpful thing that we can do. Oh yeah. I completely agree with that. It's just, yeah, we had, um, (laughs) I'm not sure if it made it to the, to your media over there, but we, we had a prime minister we've changed prime ministers thank goodness um his name was scott morrison and he he um he was a dickhead sorry sorry <laughs> yeah sorry liberal people um we have a there's a, a young lady over here called grace tame and she was she's an activist in the space of um survivors of sexual assault and she was named the australian of the year in 2021 and she's amazing. She she tells it like it is. She gets up there and she doesn't care who she's talking to. She's going to tell, she's going to talk how she wants to talk. And she did amazing things and she still is. And um, at the end of her 12 months of being Australian of the Year, they have a function at, um, I don't know if it was Parliament House or it was at the the House of the Prime Minister. That's irrelevant, sorry. Um, but anyway, he, they all go there, Young Australian of the Year, Old Australian of the Year, whatever. And um, she we have in the liberal government in the last three years there's been this incredible probably longer than three years sorry this incredible tone of misogyny and there's all this stuff been coming out about um sexual assaults happening in the workplace in um at the capital and the liberal government sort of I don't know sort of tried to brush it off and hide it and support it continued to to employ um, members of parliament while they're under investigation for for alleged sexual assaults um, and anyway so she wasn't happy about that as a lot of us weren't and she called them out on it so when she went to this long story short she went to this end of the year event and she refused to shake his hand and she didn't look him in the eye and all the men of Australia just went how dare she she shouldn't have been there if she wasn't going to smile you know it was just oh. this huge moment of division where so many women just went, well, good on her. Like, what has he done? He's he's trying to hide this stuff. He hasn't put things in place to sort it out, whatever. Um, but it was this moment. And even my husband was like, oh, if she's not going to smile, she shouldn't have gone. It's like men's standards about how women have to behave in society. Like you are just saying about, you know, this etiquette. 200 years ago, this woman says you have to put your fork on your <laughs> left and left on the right and this spoon goes there and then you have these cups for dessert like oh it just makes my blood boil yeah like yeah and her and by her behaving in that way it's caused this huge outroar and it's done exactly what the women needed and wanted and it's brought it into the forefront you know she was so brave to do that you know Mm -hmm. just don't play happy families and don't think that everything's fine and, and just smile and get on with life like women have had to do for hundreds and hundreds of years and you know oh sorry 
No, it's incredible to me. Even if even if he didn't have this huge scandal out and all of these very valid reasons, even if it was something private that happened that no one else knew about. Mm. You don't want to shake someone's hand. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? The funniest thing was uh, probably 12 months before that, we had we had a lot of big fires over here. We had a really bad fire season. And the Prime Minister went to the, okay, this is how much of a dick this bloke was. Um, <laughs> while the big fires were happening, he went on a holiday to Hawaii with his family. So everyone was like, he's not present, he's not here. And his comment, his comeback when he was questioned about, he said, I don't hold the hose, right? That was his comment. He doesn't need to be in Australia while this is happening because he's physically not there putting out the fire. And everyone was like, you idiot. So he went and visited the fire grounds and went and visited the where it was all happening. And he went up to this uh, fireman and put his hand out to shake his hand. And this man said, I don't want to shake your hand, right? Everyone in Australia went, good on you, mate. Good on you for not shaking his hand, right? But when, when a woman does it, a different reason, but it's still a woman oh. doing it, the men went apeshit. And all the women went, yes, good on you, Grace. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just... It's just incredible. I can't, it's like, you can't make this stuff up. You can't want to believe that it's still like, I know sometimes you feel like you're like, am I a hundred years ago? Like what Mm -hmm. is happening? What it, but it is, it is. Yeah. Sometimes you think the only thing's missing is our corsets and the big skirts. Like (laughs) we're we're still living in that world. Oh man. Now, I wanted to ask you about your, to do with that concept of identity, about being a mother and, and your children, do you feel like it's important for your children to know what you're doing and as they grow up to see that their mum is contributing to the world in other ways other than meeting their own needs? Mm. I think when I think about what I want my children to know about me, I think first and foremost, I think about wanting them to feel um, fully seen. And although, I mean, there is a, a child and you know, parent relationship. I, I, I want them to feel like they, I, I want to prioritize them knowing me. Like, I don't want to have a, a shield them from the real me in many senses. Like 
something I heard once said that I thought was beautiful and it's very simple. It, uh, it was actually, um, do you know who Dax Shepard is? He's uh, an actor. Yes, Dax I do. Shepherd yes. And Kristen, um, I forget. Anyway, Kristen Bell and Dax yes. Shepard. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has a podcast as well. I was on one of his podcast episodes that they were talking about how if they have a fight, and if it's not like they go out of their way to fight in front of their kids, but like if they have a fight um, and they witness in any way or an argument or whatever, they make sure that they also witness the resolution and the working through it. Mm-hmm. It's just like this level of transparency of like, and just knowing, like knowing, having my kids know who I really am is important to me mm-hmm. um, way more than them feeling like that their mom contributed like whatever I end up doing yep. that is not as important to me as like feeling them feeling like they knew who I was and not mm. having them like discover things about me that you know and and that's always kind of been even outside of like being a mother I've always felt like that like one time <laughs> this is, might be spicy but whatever <laughs> I, I feel like a you know I'm uh, someone asked me once, how do you feel about being a woman uh, in a, in a industry where, you know, historically A, B, C, D and blah, 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 blah. How is it? How do you feel about your feminine perspective? And I was like, I don't want to sound ignorant. And I, I so am grateful to the trailblazers and I, you know, there's a wealth of history and there's so much to be said, but also I am not, that is not the lens that I choose to hold with me and frame what I do and my life and what I put in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that like, I don't have to feel like I'm like, that is a torch that I'm carrying now. And I understand like what came before me to enable that. Mm -hmm but I'm here and I'm now, and that is not something that I'm prioritizing. I'm not thinking about that in that way. So I don't, you know, I don't Mm. feel that, you know, being, uh, but holding myself to contributing in any sort of specific way is something that uh, resonates with me. It's more this like need of feeling truly seen and being able to say the things that I I struggle to say, but I find the words for like the other day I was thinking about how after one of my podcast episodes, I felt like a vulnerability hangover. And it was weird because I'm always like, I always, nothing different about that episode than all the others. But for some reason, I feel like maybe I said something for myself, like more strongly than I usually did. And I was like, you know, why, why do I feel like that? And it's this idea that, um, I'm growing so much and, you know, sometimes our perspectives change, but like, if we're too afraid to say something because Mm -hmm. we might change our mind, we'll say nothing ever, you know? So, yeah. And to be able to say, I actually have changed my mind about this, you know, to to not feel afraid. Oh, well, there you go. Ha ha. You know, people call me out and it's like, actually I've done the work and I've gone through things and I've experienced life. And now actually I feel like this, there's again, no shame in saying stuff like that. Exactly. And having your children bear witness to that, like could enable them to, you know, maybe not have such a go with their, with their pride and being able to do the same. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that is like my number one priority for, for 
whatever my kids can see or think of me is just to see the wholeness of of what I am yeah I really love that that is a really really lovely answer I really love that that's the thing like I feel like I sort of relate it to times when you'd go to funerals for older relatives and you'd discover that they did this that and the other and like oh I wish I had known that so I could have asked them about it you know yeah. Um, same, like I, I don't know. I, and, and my, I know again, challenging the cultural norms. This is what it was at the time. You know, my parents, they would hide, you know, certain conversations from us and probably for good reason, you know, you're a child, you don't need to know things, but then that still happens a lot in my life now. And I think that's mm. because of the way my parents were raised to keep things hidden, you know, children are seen and not heard all this sort of, like I said before about, you know, you don't talk about your political choices. I could not like my dad and I have the best talk about politics. You know, I could not imagine going through my life, not having a sounding board for talking about politics, you know, Mm. and for my children to, you know, to grow up understanding about the world, you know, there's things that you do want to talk to them about, you know, and not just hide away or don't talk about that, you know, and again, I respect, you know, people were living in different times, you know, I'm not, I'm not bagging that. That was the way it was then. Um, Yeah. But yeah, and and I think that's a really powerful thing to say that you want your children to to really to see you and to know you as a person. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. anything else that you want to share that maybe I haven't brought up or anything else that's on your mind Mm. you want to no it's just this has been a very juicy conversation (laughs) it has hasn't it it's been great it's just so it's so incredible to I mean I mean that I'm able to connect with you on the other side of the world you know and like yeah. we have we have a lot in common <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could just tell uh, even in this short time I'm like I feel like we have more in common than we've even uncovered um <laughs> but <laughs> just uh how important this all is and I think that you know something that I, I saw today and it makes me think about right I'm just thinking about it now and I'll just say it I'm i I'm in a mastermind with Amber Lillistrom. She's a, she's a business coach and she's really incredible. And she, she said something, she posted something in one of the captions and it was like talking about how she put on this, um, this in-person event uh, uh, when she was going through a, a time in her business and, you know, and she was brave enough to do it. And then she did it year after year and it grew and grew. But at the end, she was saying that like, even if you're not in the place to, you know, put on an event or you don't have the resources to X, Y, Z, like 
we have such a powerful stage. Like every post, every podcast episode, every thing you create has such a world of opportunity attached to it and like could really be the thing that like helps and changes and Mm -hmm. does whatever we just and like and even if it's a needle at a time it's like the compounding effects Mm -hmm. of this work is incredible I mean it's just like I've been at this for a year and you know I can say that it's been a very slow burn but at the same time like the 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 consistency and being like this tapped into myself and the work I'm putting out and being able to make these connections Mm -hmm. has you know I can feel like oh you know look at the numbers and think one thing but then if I really pull myself up and look back and understand like the body of work and the connections and the discoveries and the transformations I've gone through it's it's really incredible so I just Mm want to thank you for being being a a stand for this as well and like creating the work that you do and connecting with all the incredible artists I'm honored to be a part of your show oh thank you that's so kind of you to say and yeah likewise yeah I don't know just I I feel like I feel the same way we're all collectively contributing contributing to a movement I feel like things are really happening and this is the time we'll look back on this time and go you know, this was a significant period of our lives and, of, you know, society, Western society in general's life, and we're a part of it. I feel like, you know, and I think that's the thing because perhaps previously because of the world, the way the world was set up, there wasn't the internet or whatever. When someone did something, it was a big deal. Now because we've all collectively got this access to you know, the internet, we can do podcasts, we can do blogs, all this stuff, because there are so many people doing it. Um, The reach might not be as broad, but that's the difference. There are so many people doing it now. You know, I feel like, you know, there's momentum in this and I just got goosebumps then. (laughs) It's like a ship, like we are a ship. We are the ship. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a thing isn't a thing until it's a thing. And then enough people, uh, oh, I was just listening to, um, oh, I think he's so cool uh his name is Jeff Goins he's a writer and he has a podcast called Hey Creator and he was just talking about how you know a thing isn't even a thing until someone comes up with it and it's really weird at first because it's not a thing (laughs) and then enough people believe it and all of a sudden that's the norm and Mm. that you know and it's like it's so true and that's what you know all of these norms that we're combating through like pulling the veil off uh Mm -hmm. you know that we are not separate from that. We are, we are doing the work on the ground floor of that. And I think it's so important and it's so incredible. And also, you know, even though it definitely is a, you know, the big pond, bunch of little fish type of thing in some way, you know, leaning into who we truly are and like own, the more we own ourselves, the more powerful we can be for whoever does find us and all of a sudden binge, like, Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you are the vehicle that I needed this to come through. Like kids, we've all been there where we hear something and we know that we've heard that same sentiment a bajillion times before, but there was something about the way 
this person said it in this moment that just mm-hmm. was the thing you needed and unlocked you. And you can never tell, you know, when that's going to happen, but also there probably are no accidents, right? So, oh yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. I feel like, the, you know, this divine timing, like when yes, you're ready for timing. this message, like, yeah, I could tell you a million examples of, not yes. a million, but you know, so many examples of, you know, you say this or you hear this and then one time you hear it, it might not be delivered any differently, but it sticks. And you're like, yes. huh, right, off we go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious, isn't it? Oh, dear. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, Bianca. It just has been a really lovely conversation I've just loved it so much thank you um and good luck with the rest of your endeavors doing your podcast and and uh yeah just keep doing it because it's so good <laughs> it's so good thank you so much and I I would be so honored and cannot wait to have have you as a guest on oh, my show as well I, I can't wait it. absolutely thank you <laughs> thanks for your company today If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.